On your journey through life, you are the hero. There are times, however, when it is beneficial to have an advisor to guide you along your path. Welcome to the Smart Money Simplified Podcast with Brent Mikosh, Certified Financial Planner, Certified Investment Management Analyst, and Co-Founder of MP Advisors, LLC. In this podcast, Brent discusses some of the most important and interesting topics of the day as they relate to finance, the economy, and beyond. Now, on to the show. Hello, and welcome to Smart Money Simplified with Brent Mikosh. Brent, what is going on, my man? It is the start of 2023. It's the first week of 2023 as we're recording this, so our listeners will probably get this uh, toward the tail end of January, but you know, excited for a new year. How about yourself? Yeah, happy new year, my friend. It, it, you go into these new years with, with such hope and, and excitement, and I'm trying to carry that on as long as I can, man. <laughs> Quite I, absolutely. Absolutely. I'm actually, you know, I'm a big proponent of New Year's resolutions. I think they get a lot oh, of right. a, a lot of flack. I do think the New Year is a really good time to to think about some things that maybe you want to do differently. Yeah. And you know, sure, a lot of New Year's resolutions are broken, but a lot also aren't. And I think anytime you have an opportunity to take stock of your life and think about the best way that you want to move forward, I think it's a good thing. Some kind of, a, I guess, a contrarian in terms of the recent stuff that everybody wants to blast New Year's resolutions. That's definitely not me. Yeah. Well, I, I know that you brought a guest on the show today uh, to kind of help you talk about some of that stuff, right? I, absolutely. So I'm going to take you back in time, Eric, for, to maybe All probably right. now about 12, 13 or so years ago. And I was not in the best shape in my life, needed to pull some things together from a physical standpoint. And I'm in Phoenix, Arizona. I'm walking around the art walk and I see this guy that is absolutely a physical specimen. I mean, we're talking about an African Adonis here that is handing out business cards. And I said, this is the guy that is going to help me out. So I got Amon Isagohi. To those of us that are in Arizona, you may remember the Amen Zone, which were a series of uh, a group of, of fitness, um, fitness locations where what Amon was really great at at that point was doing what you can do with what you got. He could build an entire workout around just basically mm. slinging a tire around. Uh, since that point, he's now up in Montreal, Canada. And he's, he's done a bunch of things. He's written a book. He does a lot of corporate motivational work. Um, he's the creator of, of This by Amon, which this is basically an acronym for true healthcare is self-care. And honestly, he's just one of the coolest guys that I've ever met in my entire life. So I'm super excited to have this conversation with him today. So Amon, haven't seen you for a while, buddy, but welcome, man. Thank you for joining me today. Oh, and the pleasure is truly mine, Brandon Eric. Thank you for having me on the show today. I'm excited. I just caught on to what you just said, Brandon. I thought I was... Uh, Really cool when you said that you're not bashing New Year's resolutions. I'm I'm on the same page. I think the New Year is a great is a great time for you to hit that reset button. You know, it's time to reset and take a step back to take a step forward. When I mean take a step back, it's reflect back on what your life has been and what you've learned and what you've uh, what you've grown. You know, they say you 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 go you grow through what you kind of go through. So a lot of us within a year we go through a lot of stuff, the challenging stuff. Mentally, emotionally, intellectually, we go through all that stuff, but we also grow through them. So whatever challenges you face in life, depending on where you're at, if you were actually uh, of, the right, of the right state of mind, you should have grown through that. And I think the start of the year, you can have a better time to, to kind of take stock of what you've actually learned and where you're going. You know, my dad, as you said before, you know, I'm from, I'm from West Africa, Benin. And my father always used to say, you know, for you to have clarity in where you're going in life, you have to have a deep uh, appreciation of where you're from. So I say to folks, you know, where are you from? Not geographically, but 
what have you survived? Because that is that is your starting point. And the first of the year is a great place to take stock of that. Yeah, I definitely want you to give our, our listeners a background of, of your story because I think it's a great one. But I'm going to interject on this that I've been my goal this year is I want to do uh, a book a week, um, a combination of, of physical books and audio books. And I'm just finishing one now called The Gap and the Gain. And what the premise of this is, is that most people are living in the gap. They're living in where they are and they, there's this giant gap from where they are to where they want to be. And he's saying that the writer's saying in this case, you need to be living in the gain. You need to take, take stock of, of what it is you've actually accomplished. Because, you know, even, even if you've been through some tougher and darker times, the fact that you've been through that immediately, it, it, it's so much to build off of. And, and you're building off of victories as, as opposed to coming from a place of lack and coming from a place of not being where you want to be. So I think what you're saying there is, is really powerful of, of, of knowing where you came from and and I think that there's there's a time for sure to give yourself give yourself a little bit of credit for for things that you that you may have done right and even for things you've done wrong because you can you know what you learn from those things and you're moving forward from there. You know, I you know there's uh, I can't remember who it was that that I heard speaking and he said that um, he's gone through a lot. He's very successful in life, but most of his success came from his failures. And, and when you think about failures, it depends on your perspective your perspective on. Of failing is he truly failing or or he's learning you know you hear that a lot but from a, from a very uh deep perspective like what have you learned what have you picked up like what you just referenced here you know the gap in the game i, I don't know if you've been to london england and you get on the train and they always say mind the when yeah you're absolutely the train, mind mind the gap before you get on the platform well the same could be akin to life you know it's like mind mind the gap what where is the gap in your life where what are you trying to bridge if you don't know what you need to fix how do you fix it and um again coming full circle to our start of the conversation the first of the year is a good time for you to reflect and know where you're headed absolutely so for listeners that don't know you i'm sure you know you were you you were a pretty popular guy here in arizona before you made the move up to canada but to those that don't know you give us a little bit of background in terms of what your story is well, thanks for that. I, I um, well, I was in, I, I I was born in Belgium, uh, Belgium, Antwerp, but my parents were from West Africa in Benin Edo State, uh, West Africa, and um, at at the age of eight years old, my parents uh, wanted me to have an appreciation of where I was from. They felt like sitting at home and eating cereal and watching cartoons all day was not the upbringing they want their kids to have in London, England, you know, the, the more, uh, you know, the affluent lifestyle. They wanted me to have a really good, good understanding of where I was from. For my father, it was very important as an African man that I understood my culture. He thought if you did that, he gave you a great foundation. If you know who you are, then, you know, you can appreciate others. Others would appreciate you. People respect you in the level in which you respect yourself. So the way he saw it is, you need to go back and appreciate where you're from. And he did the same for my siblings also. So we each sent us to send my sister and I back home to live with my grandmother. It was supposed to be for like uh, a year, but it ended up being for a few years. I guess they figured I needed more, more work. But um, <laughs> when I got to, when I got to uh, live with my grandmother, I realized immediately that she had very little patience for lazy kids. And her definition of lazy kids is one that doesn't wake up at 6 a.m. and go do their chores without being asked to do it. So going to Africa, living with my grandmother was a very, uh, uh, we was a, it was a shocking moment for me. It was a pivotal point in my life because she, we, we had nothing around the compound. There was nothing. There was no, there was no, um, 
There was no gyms or workout places. Even at eight years old, there were no supermarkets. It's Africa we're talking about. There were big palms, there were big trees, orange trees, pawpaw trees, mango trees, and uh, a lot of abandoned tires just around the compound. So my grandmother, who was an ex-athlete, and she, was, she used to throw javelin, she would have us play with the tires because that's all we had. We didn't have any of the fancy toys that kids, that my kids would have now. So all we did was play with the tires. But whenever we played with tires, she would also use that as an opportunity to teach us about life. And you see this now, and if you go to Africa, it's still going on. On my last trip to uh, Nigeria, I could still see it going on. I took a lot of video, uh, video and picture footage of the same thing I was talking about. So after playing and moving around for a few hours, she would gather the kids around and always give us a life lesson. And in totality, I guess the point she was trying to make even then was, you gotta learn how to do more with less. We had very little, but we felt like we had a whole world. We didn't have a lot. Our attitude was different. Um, those tires were like the best things. We came up with creative ways to use the tire. That became my foundation for everything I did in life. My fitness movement in Arizona, just fast forward, was based on just using tires. Yeah. So I, I would do it in the same format in which my grandmother kind of worked with me. You know, movement is life, she used to say. So we use this for movement. But after every single class, I would inspire or leave a word of inspiration, which would last, I say a word, but typically it lasts about a minute, a minute of inspiration to the members that just went through the workout. So that was, that was based or inspired by the experience in Africa with my grandmother. And from that, moving to Canada, I used that same platform. I don't know if you remember this, Brent, but on the walls of my gyms in Arizona, because we grew to the point where we had uh, about 12 locations in Arizona and even in Los Angeles. But every single location of a men's zone that we had had the quote on this wall that said, true healthcare is self-care. I remember that. T-H-I-S. I kind of evolved from a men's zone into this when I came to Canada. So ironically, what I do now is I create social emotional learning programs for schools because when ever, when have we ever needed this more? Learning how to do more with less after what kids have just been through with a pandemic, after what we've been through as adults with a pandemic, it's unprecedented. So more than ever, I'm beginning to imply the message or employ the message that my grandmother had taught me when I was a kid in Africa, learning how to do more with less. Yeah, yeah. Now I'm curious, I'm curious um, if you've seen this since the pandemic, I'll, I'll tell you the, the people that I think have been hit the hardest in many places are kids. And the fact that so much of their world went virtual, it's almost not only did they lose that one-on-one -on -one connection that they had with, with their peer group, but they also, in some ways, I think lost, lost a connection with their body because they were stuck inside, not doing anything. And another big passion of yours is fighting childhood obesity. So I guess my question for you is, what has this done, the decisions that were made in terms of shutting down at parts of society over the last three years? What has this done in terms of what you're seeing in Canada towards childhood, mental health, obesity, all those issues? Well, I can't, I, great question, Brent. I can't possibly exaggerate the damage that is done to the kids. And this is not something that's going to be fixed overnight, right? This is going to take a while to fix and turn this around. So what I found is the kids, just communication-wise, they, they took a huge back step. Some kids, and when I go to school, I, I work with schools every day now because of my program, and some kids, two years out of their lives, sitting at home, doing nothing, 
was a huge part if they're only like eight years old. Yeah. You know, it's 25% of old. their life. Yeah. That's right. And think about it. I mean, the, the, the problems that the kids went through far transcends uh, the lack of being in schools, being at home, now dealing with the domestic violence at home, with parents now stuck at home. I mean, let's be honest, that if they thought they never liked each other, they really found out during the pandemic when they were locked and stuck together, right? And the kid became that pressuring of the person that's there that always wants their attention. Some parents are not used to that. They're not used to having to spend the entire day with their kids. You know, yeah. we could talk about how much they would love to do it, but now they have to do it. It was a real, it was a real, uh, it was quite, it was a tall order for some parents to have to deal with that. And it was a big problem. Some parents uh, coming from the tougher parts of life or tougher demographics, they took it out on the kids. So I go to schools now and there's some kids when school's done, they don't want to go home. Yeah. When there's a vacation, the last thing on their mind is going home. Uh, can you imagine that, Brent? When we were in school, we couldn't wait to go home. Absolutely, right? like, couldn't wait to get out of there. No, but not the case now. So uh, it's affected their, their their academics in so many ways. It's, it's uh, the progress of the kids is far behind. But I'm, I'm obviously I'm painting the bad side of it because it's really quite bad. You cannot ignore where we're at. But the progress is happening one step at a time, and I feel uh, the program that I brought forward to the schools, which they embraced wholeheartedly in Canada, and I'm actually in the steps of bringing it back to Arizona. I don't know if you remember my uh, program to help fight childhood obesity in Arizona, the Amenzo Foundation. I do, I had, yep. uh, that, that, that won a local Emmy Award for the efforts we made, but it was based on the same principles. True healthcare is self-care. You've got to learn at an early age that you are responsible for your health. These kids are not too young to understand this. And so we're beginning to teach them, don't wait for the schools to do it, don't wait for your parents to even show you how to do it. You need to learn right now at an early age that this is a priority for you because everything feeds off of that. If your mindset isn't right, then your emotion isn't gonna be right. Then how you act isn't gonna be right. It starts from your thought to how, to how you feel and then to how you act. That's the behavioral therapeutic um, model. And this is what the kids are, this is what I base my programs, my program on for the kids. So when you get into a school, what does your program look like up there in Canada now? What are you doing with these kids? So the program in schools here is, is fantastic. It's really, it's really the heart of what I do. It's what I was born to do. You know, you can be great at a lot of things, but it's just some things you're just gifted at. And for me, it's always been working with kids. So the program is really created to help build self-esteem. But inherently, it also helps fight childhood, uh, not child, helps, uh, discourage against bullying because if you feel good about yourself and you have confidence you're less attractive to bullies so this really hits uh, so many different platforms that the, the schools really 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 embrace it so the way the program works is that i created a curriculum of my program it's a 30 minute program where the teachers or anybody at the schools that they select to go through the program. So we teach the teachers how to run the program. So the program is scalable through the schools. I don't have to be at a hundred schools at once. Right. So the teachers or whoever the representative, the representative is at each school comes to my facility here in Montreal to go through the certification process. And the certification process is quite an experience. It's not just sitting down and just uh, listening to lectures all day. It's, it's almost like a motivational speaking experience, right? So they go through that and we get to see what they're about, see if they're passionate for kids. 
we get to find out if this, if these people that the school send as representatives to run the programs, if they actually like kids. Sounds like <laughs> a crazy thought, but you could go to school sometimes the way things are right now, where you find teachers that they're not passionate about their jobs. And this is a very, very tiny percentage, but we want to make sure they're not part of the ones that are running our programs for us. Right. So we get to meet the, the instructors and certify them. They then take the program into their schools and run the program independently. And as, a, as an organization here for the DIS360 is what it's called, we then monitor the programs. I go in as a personality to the schools to launch the program, kind of like, uh, kind of like, uh, you know, the kids are excited to see me. They treat me like a celebrity. It's really quite humbling. But to see them excited about a program to build their self-esteem, I think that's what uh, that's what's been responsible for the success of the program so far. And what do you think? The, what's a core value or a core um, message? I think that you can pass on to these to these children or anybody for that matter to build their self self-esteem. Where do you start? Because there's a lot of really broken people that, out there. You know, I, I always say, I think, you know, when I speak to the kids, this is something that comes up quite frequently. I was just in London doing the same thing with kids. I think how you speak to yourself is critical. Self-talk, the part that nobody sees, right? Uh, that's why you see a lot of people, even as, as adults, a lot of people look great. They seem well put together. You think their life is perfect. Social media has done a huge deal about that where everybody looks like they have a perfect life but you, right? Because everybody puts their showtime reel on social media. You look in their perfect version of themselves, but how do they build themselves? You don't get to see that. So you right. compare the worst. You compare the worst of yourself to the best of others. So when I work with these kids, I I, I really press on the point of self-talk. When you get up in the morning, how do you speak to yourself? What is what, what is your thought? Because at that point, you, entirely you have you you can decide how you want this day to go. And life goes in the direction you focus on. If you just, if you say to yourself, oh my God, I can't believe it's Tuesday. This is going to be a terrible day. You can test that out. Yep, it's going to happen. It has a domino, it's a domino effect. Yep. You start having a, a terrible day. Right? You can literally test it out. It's like, life is like a mirror. What you put out is what you get back. So I'm teaching these kids to really pick up the habit of speaking positively about themselves. If you want a great day, go out there and try to help somebody else have a great day. And you'll be amazed how quickly you have a great day. So this is one of the messages that comes up consistently when I work with kids on building their, 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 their kind of their, their self-esteem. The other thing I hear a lot from, from schools when they call me up and say, oh, man, we need you out here, is that these kids, they're not very accepting anymore. And we always had a challenge sometimes in schools. You know what schools are like. Um, people hang around who they like. Yep. and um, But after the pandemic, they've, they've become very aggressive and they're not as accepting so we the uh the thing that comes up a lot when i go to schools is really talking about inclusion i've made that a high topic at the schools inclusion how do you include others you only include people you like imagine you were a new kid in school and you knew you didn't know anybody you would love to be given a chance i was just at a school talking about this uh just before they went on break and this kid said to me i mean he put his hand up. He goes, uh, what if I don't like the person? I hear what you're saying, you know, include. But what if I don't like the person? What if I don't think it's nice? What if I don't think they're kind? What if I don't think they're, they're a caring person? I said, wow, that's a great question, in fact. I said, just think about this. What if by you including that person, 
you get to set the example of how it is to be nice, how it is to be caring, how it is to be generous. And you might just have made yourself an amazing friend for life. Yeah. What yeah. about that? Let, that me resonated ask, with me. let me ask you this, because I think this is an interesting, you bring up an interesting question here is I do, I, I think that sometimes people, you can waste time with in relationships that um, are never going to build you up. Um, so where is that line? Because you can, you can try to give opportunities to maybe the person that's continually trying to bring you down. What, what, do you understand what it's a kind of a, what I'm trying to ask there? Like, no, absolutely. You, and that's a great. Yeah. Hello? Where, you you, at some point you got to cut off the relationships that aren't serving you anymore. So what, what is that line? And I don't, I don't have the answer to that. I was just curious in your thoughts, what, what it could be. No, I'll be very candid with you. I, I'm very, I'll be very candid. When I'm dealing with kids, the approach is different because kids can be very unforgiving and they, yeah. don't, they don't give as much as believe where they give someone a chance. But when I speak with adults and if you're asking me directly, I'll, I'll be very candid. I think if someone is negative and they're dead set on being negative, I, I put them at arm's length. It's not yeah. about disconnecting the relationship. It's about managing the relationship. The reason I say that, there's some people that are very negative, but you can't, you can't rid yourself of them. Your yeah. boss at work could be a very negative person. What do you do? You walk out of your job? You can't. Your brother, your sister could be a negative person. What do you do? You, you walk out of that. Really, you can't do that. So in certain situations, you can't just cut them off. Sounds easy to do. I think we're going to learn uh, the process of managing that relationship. There's some people that don't fit into that box of you making progress with your life. If you're not getting back what you put into a relationship, you really have to think about distance in that relationship. Sure. I mean, you can distance them from here to out of space if you want, but at least, you know, they're still, they're still out of your immediate circle because I'm, I'm really big on taking away negative energy away from my circle because if I have that, you can't, someone told them, you can't, um, you can't possibly measure how much that holds you back when yeah. you try to, to work with negative energy, but I will keep them away from my circle. Yeah. And I think, I think it's uh, once you get to know people too, you, you sort of understand where they are on balance because everybody's got bad days. You know, I, yeah. I found myself at the checkout line being a little short with, with someone when I shouldn't be. And it's just because you might have other things on your mind. But to your point, I think that it's that if, if, if the negativity, if you can't find a way to step out of that, you're right. It, it, the people that are like that in our lives, we can't, in many cases, we can't eliminate them, but you can manage it. That's a great way to put it. Yeah. And there's a distinction between, uh, having bad days or being quote-unquote like uh, someone with bad energy consistently. Now, if someone's being consistently negative, you, you've got to put that person out of your immediate circle. You, you know, you, at some point, you become, uh, you're encouraging the behavior. Sure. So you have to, you have to distance it. So I, I agree with you on that. So tell me what you're doing now with, uh, in the corporate world, because you're doing some corporate seminars as well, correct? Yes, because my approach to, well, it all started with my work with the schools because my approach with that is a full circle. That's why we call it this 360, True Healthcare and Self-Care 360. The reason I, I place it that way is because I, 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 I don't just work with the schools. I work with the teachers of the school. So I do empowerment sessions with teachers, with the entire staff. So I'll go to a school and work with 800 or 900 of their students. And then it'll, the same school will have me come back and work with their entire staff because they understand it, it's all interconnected. The, the staff has to be in the right mindset 
to affect the, to inspire the kids. So a happy teacher, happy student kind of approach. Well, that also kind of put me on the map, and a lot of organizations hear the messages that I've been given, and they have me come and work and work with this corporation. So one of the things you may have seen on social media is that I have some CEOs call me up and say, I mean, I need you to shake up my team. They need it because you get stuck and that's normal. This is life. You, you, you have the job you've always wanted in life. You finally get the job. Now you're at the job. You forget this is what you've always wanted. So you start focusing on all the things that are out of your control instead of focusing on what's in your control which is to have a positive attitude and inspire your team in having a positive attitude so you can all move forward. But we have this me, 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 <laughs> President, if I'm not having a good day, everybody else is coming down with me. I, and this is the mentality I see a lot at work. You know, you have no idea what other people that you work with are going through. Like you, you, you come to work and you see the same person every single day and they smile at you in some cases, but you don't know what they had to go through. To right. be there, and some days they're not—they're not in their best. But you have no idea if they received a phone call that morning. That was terrible. Perhaps they lost someone in their family. You just don't know that. So I think a little bit more—a little more empathy at, at workspaces helps. So companies call me in for like a lunch blast, like a lunch empowerment session, and I come in there and I literally just fire up the team. Yeah. Right. Fire up the team, and also follow up with the team and see how they're doing. So you see me doing that a whole lot. Well, yeah, and I think that that's that's something that we can definitely all use right now for sure. Hey, have you found that in corporate America too? To to me, you've sensed, I've sensed anyway, a little bit of kind of a a malaise through almost all of society right now, where people there's definitely a hangover from COVID for sure. Um, there's a lot of uncertainty around the world. Uh, you, if you're on social media, I, I really love your line that you're comparing the worst of yourself with the best of everyone else. But but then you're looking at the news sources that you're getting from social media, and a lot of them are you know, extremely negative because they've got to pick up pick up clicks. So what do you do personally, I guess, and what do you try to teach people to do individually to sort of get themselves above that noise? Well, here's here are the facts. You can only use COVID as an excuse for so long. Life moves on. You've got to shake that off and really begin to focus on, on what you can control and where you're headed in life, right? If you have a bump in life, you don't, you don't stop there and, and look at your flat tire all day long and think, oh, wow, I can't believe I have a flat tire, but why me? Then you get on with it and fix that tire and get going. Right. And this is kind of what, what, what life's about. So when you look at social media uh, platform, you can't control what's on social media. You know, I hear a lot of folks complain about, Social media is negative. It's, it's, it's negative, which is true to some extent. It's true, yeah. For the it's most both. part, it's it like is because people, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. But you also have control of that. You know, I, 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 I was, I was checking it out one time. I said, I was looking at my feed. I was like, I think it was about a year ago. How, how come I only see really positive stuff? Like on my feed, is all this like great empowering stuff going on. And then I look at a friend's feed when I'm with them, we're laughing about stuff, and he's always looking at, oh, this just happened, this death, this accident, this going on in the world. You get to select who you want to follow, yeah. right? You can control who you want to follow. So I think it's always helpful to do an audit. Is do an audit every year and go, make that part of your self-care program and say, hey, what I want in my headspace, that is my most valuable real estate, is my headspace. What I want to align my headspace this year is positivity. 
I can deal with the issues of the world later on. But right now, I need to deal with my issues. I need to get myself on point. I need to get locked in and focused on what I'm trying to accomplish. And for me to do that, I really need a positive headspace right now. So you can literally go through your, your followers and decide, oh, no, not that guy. I can learn something from that financial guy. I can learn from Brent. I can learn from Eric. I can learn from this guy. I'm following those guys for now. And later on, I can then add all the people. You know, so I find myself doing that quite a bit. That, that could be um, and that could be one of the best ideas I've heard to start the year because I, I'm, I'm not on Facebook or Instagram. I am really active yeah. on LinkedIn. I love LinkedIn. I think it's, it's a phenomenal tool. But I think that is a real great, anyone that's listening to this, go through and do a social media audit. I've never heard it put that way, but that could be one of the best ideas that I've heard in quite a long time because you know, there's so much that's happening in the world that's outside of our control. But, but any of these people that you're following on social media that you're interacting with you know, through that device in your hands, you're giving them access to your life. <laughs> you know, it's not, right. they're not, they're not knocking down your door and saying, Hey, come in and listen to whatever negative rants I'm on. You're, you're, you're inviting them into your life and your home and your brain. And I, that's, if there's one takeaway that I hope that the people get from this conversation, really take a hard look at that. Who are you letting into your life electronically? Because it's pretty powerful. We've got these devices on us 24 seven. And some of the messages that you look at are incredibly inspiring and some of them are not. And most of the ones that are not tend to be regarding and surrounding issues that are totally outside of our control. So, so why, right. right. Why, why poison your consciousness with that? That is a phenomenal idea. Uh, you, thank you. I was, uh, I'll give you an example. I was uh, at my facility here and a mother had brought her kid in for me to work with the kid. But while the kid was in the waiting area, he was on his phone or he was, no, he was on his tablet. And for whatever reason, he started crying, like just, just crying. He was looking at his tablet, so he was crying. And I thought it was a discussion with his mother, but it wasn't because she was trying to see if, 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 he, was, if he was okay. You know, she was talking to him and say, you okay, everything okay? I could see her talking. So I walked over and he tried to explain to me that what he was watching on the social, on the social platform was about someone that just passed away that he'd always followed. And that really affected that kid. So there was no filter in how, okay, we're gonna post this, but just be careful, your kid doesn't get a scene and the kid is that young. There is no point A to point B. That kid got exposed to kind of like a visceral way of dealing with loss that isn't even part of his family. This guy's a character on social media. Exactly. And he just passed away and this, this little kid took it on and he could not stop crying. He was uncontrollable. Like we just could not keep this kid calm. But that was a perfect example right there where you could manage the process. Like a lot of parents, they even asked me, it's like, how do I get my kids away from this, this text? How do I read them off of it? I say, here's a challenge, I get that. You might want to take that away, but that's, that's going to be a tough battle right now. Yep. They're not from our generation, so we don't even see the connect. Like we don't even, we, we just want to take it away from them. I think a first step in that direction would be try to at least manage their access to it. Yeah. If you can manage it before you start to take it away, like that, that's a situation where that kid should not have been exposed to some things like that without any kind of support. Well, I'll tell you something. And I've had, I've had actually people that I'm close to that have gotten mad at me when I've, when I've said this to them, because um, it can be a hot button issue in terms of giving your, your kids access to this stuff. And I've got my two-year-old's too yeah. young, but I have an eight-year-old son, 
unfortunately, he's not that interested in it. He'd rather be outside looking at looking for bugs and rocks and everything else. But my wife and I, Paige, who you know, and I'm going to I'm going to I got to end with that story in terms of why she's my wife, because you're a big part of that. We've been very conscious about really, really limiting and trying to reduce the access that our son has to these devices. And as a result, he just doesn't care about it. Now, I've I've mentioned that to other people, quite frankly, people I'm pretty close with. And they've got mad at me because they think I'm doing him a disservice that he's got to learn to use these devices and it's part of the world and you're and you know and you're being ridiculous by by monitoring that access. But I totally disagree with that. I mean, there's there's and I've told him even in the past, it'll come up, and I'm like, buddy, I'm like outside, you got bugs, you got rocks, you got birds, maybe a snake if we get if we find something really interesting versus a little three-inch screen. What's more exciting, <laughs> you know? Um, but yeah. I, I do, th- I think the social media, I think the access to these devices, they're, they're incredible tools. It has absolutely increased my ability to do business from anywhere in the world and, and uh, connect with people. But I think we've got to be far more careful about the access, particularly young. I mean, older people have a problem with this, but particularly young people. And it, 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 I've had people get mad at me when I've said that because it, it might call into question what their own judgment is. And my answer to that is you do your, you do your thing, your kid, you can, you can raise your child however you want. But I, I think these, I think these devices are, they're, are, they're highly addictive and it's something that needs to be very controlled. We don't, we don't let our kids go out and buy a bottle of wine uh, when they're eight or 10 or 12 years old. I think we should be controlling the, the electronic devices. And I know it's not a popular opinion, but I'm sticking with it. You know, what, what, are, what are your thoughts no, on that? No, I think, you know what, you touch a hot button right there. And I think it's a great button to touch because, and I'm not surprised at all knowing you and Paige, that your kid uh, has that kind of a, a mindset and perspective. I'm not at all surprised. There's, uh, I can't remember the title of the book right now. I'm just trying to look on my, my shelf to see it. Where they say kids today are nature deficit, right? Yeah, big they, time. They, they, they're nature deficit. Like they... They eat mangoes. They don't know where mangoes are. Some kids might even think mangoes are manufactured like uh, their toys are manufactured. They have no idea the process of what they eat. They lose that part of nature, which is part of the human experience. They really lose that magical human experience. And um, if you speak to people about managing the access of their kids to technology, it also exposes their irresponsibility in managing technology. That's what you got to understand. It's a very uh, hot button. Nobody likes you touching the button because it it implies that they also need to step up and show some kind of responsibility. And nobody likes the light being shown on them. But I can't imagine that any parent that wouldn't want to take more of a a more careful approach to the access their kids have with technology. Let me ask you to talk about... You talk about nature and, and you're living, obviously, in Canada is uh, Montreal. Of course, you're in the city, but we're pretty close to Montreal. You've got some, some pretty spectacular countryside there. Um, whether you're in Canada or whether you're in, in West Africa or anywhere in between, tell me about what you think. What, what's your, what do you think your necessity is of human beings connecting with the natural world? I think it's absolutely imperative. I really believe it. It's not just because of my background where we had nothing but nature. The best part of my life in Africa was running bare feet and just uh, running with a foreman, going to the farm to go hunting and go, you know, planting potatoes, planting yams and tomatoes. Uh, My grandmother used to have us as kids be in charge on different lots, small little lots and go, I mean, you're doing cassava, that's you. Your cousin is doing tomatoes. 
That's what she's doing. And Francisca is doing uh, the maze. That's what they're doing. I mean, that is such a beautiful experience. And I even try to, like my book for kids, The Tire Boy, talks a little bit about it. It gives some insight into my experience as a child. And, and I looked at it and I said, I wish I could have this for you guys every day. They would never understand the wealth I felt I got from that. Yeah. For me, I grew up, even growing up in Africa in that kind of an environment, I always felt like I was the wealthiest child in the world. I really felt like it because even then, I realized I was learning a whole lot because it was beautiful to watch a plant grow and break ground and break the earth and just flourish in the sunlight. It was beautiful to see that. There's a certain connection you have with that that affects how you are as a person growing up because you put your priorities in different places, right? You get to know what's important in life and what's not. It's like being on a plane and you're so high up in flight and you look down and you see how tiny human beings are, really. You know, sometimes you look down and you go, wow, anything can happen right now while I'm on this plane. All the worries that we have down there, the hustling, the running around, the stress, the stress. When you look back on it, you think, Whatever you're stressing about right now that could possibly make you sick, with hindsight, you have to look back and see, was it really worth it? We act like we've got, we get to do this twice. You only get one life. What are the quality decisions you're making? I feel like nature and experience with nature kind of humbles the spirit and humbles the person to kind of slow things down in terms of how fast we're rushing through life. You can move through life with a sense of urgency and still appreciate life for what it is. It's like being on a treadmill and running really fast, but you're not going anywhere, really. But yep. you're racing on that treadmill. You feel like the fastest person in the world. But you're not go- you haven't made a single, a single yardage in real life, right? So it's kind of like life. You know, just make sure if you're running, you're actually making ground. You're actually growing as a person. You're actually being spiritually fit. It's like um, when you come to my facility here in Montreal, I think it's, it's probably the only true self-care facility in Montreal. I was trying to build this in the States, but I never got around doing it. Uh, I wanted to launch this in LA at one point, but I decided to do it here since we decided to settle here. It's a true self-care facility. I think it's about the only wellness place that says self-care. Like, you see my title on there, True Healthcare is Self-Care. That's the name of the facility. It's not a fitness place. It's a self-development center is what it is. So we have, you have boxing classes and you have circuit classes, strength conditioning classes. We have mind power classes, self-development. So people sign up facing fear, facing anxiety. They sign up for that. Like they, they would sign up for boxing on Monday and self-development on Tuesday. And because that's what I wanted to inspire. I want to inspire a balanced lifestyle. You can't truly say you're a fit person if you're not physically fit, emotionally fit, intellectually fit, spiritually fit, not religiously fit, spiritually fit, and also, of course, socially fit. And the part that all people always forget about, financially fit, that is part of it too. So yeah. I feel like those are all the interconnected pillars. And if you come into my backspace where we do our sessions, mind power sessions, those are the pillars I have on the wall for everybody to see. And I truly believe that. Those are the pillars that holds us up. Let me ask you a question I've never asked you before. What does what your spiritual life look like, if you don't mind me asking you? Oh, no, I don't mind at all. You know, I was raised a Catholic. I was raised, and I'm going to be honest with you, I was raised a Catholic by my parents. But I actually, I, have, I, don't, I can't remember the last time I went to church. 
Yeah. I can't remember the last time. It's been a long time. But my relationship with God has never been stronger in that regard. I don't know if I can say it in the way that it can be understood. I don't feel I need to go to church, and I appreciate those that do go to church. I don't feel like I need to go to church to uh, to be spiritual. I, I don't. I, I just see it differently. I've I've gone into it with my mother many times. We've had some interesting conversations about that. I, I try not to have that kind of conversation at my facility because you know how it is with that. Oh, it's polarizing, yeah. Yeah, but I respect everybody's opinion. I really, truly do. I'm not even saying that just to be passing. I genuinely believe that everybody's entitled in whatever fits, however you, however you can move forward in life and respect other human beings and respect the earth that you live on and appreciate the life, the gift of life. And give thanks for a higher power other than yourself. However that looks like to you, well, that's fantastic. Hold on to that. Because our experiences are different. Our journeys are different. Where you come from and where I come from is entirely different. If I grew up where you grew up, I may feel the same, the exact same way you feel. I may have the same religion or not that you have. You know, so I can only speak for myself. And from my experience, I I like I never stop my day without 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 prayer. Some may call it meditation. I call it prayer. I never stop my day without it. I never go to bed without reading. These are all my habits. And I feel that I'm I'm closer to most people to my uh, journey than I see people that are religious to their religious path. <laughs> not yeah. to judge them, but I yeah. see their actions and their habits. And I say, you know what? I'm not a perfect human being, but I would never act like I am. And I've seen Others that are religious act as though they are perfect, and when they when we're not, when, when none of us are perfect, it's yeah. just all a journey. Yeah. So we're here now. It's it's the beginning of 2023, and people that that have listened this far in our conversation, they're excited. They're excited about what they can do tomorrow to make their lives better, or right now to make their lives better. What is the one thing they can be telling themselves every day to help shift them into the right mindset? Very simple and very clear. They can. Whatever they have in their mind, they can do it because you have to live in the present, not the past. You're not defined by your challenges that you feel, that you feel like you failed at, at the past. In fact, you're empowered by that. A lot of us choose to pick up uh, the pain and forget the lessons. You go through a tough situation, you pick up all the pain, but you forget to pick up all the lessons. You can't do that anymore, especially in the times we're living right now. You got to know that you can focus on the fact that you can in other words, focus on what you can control, not what you cannot control. That would be my simple advice to them because everything is possible if you believe that it is. Next question for you. Is there a book that has absolutely changed your life for the better? Absolutely. There's too many books for that. Right? You know that. It's like, uh, but one that was um, pivotal in my life was The Awakening of Intelligence by Krishnamurti. Yeah, great right? book. That book uh, uh, yeah, that, that had an impact uh, in my life. I read that when I was in London, and I keep rereading that book. Uh, I, I love that book. Uh, what else? Another, uh, another, what I say? another question for you. How about a song that gets you fired up? Oof. You know what's crazy? As a song, there's quite a few now that I listen to. I'm big on listening to songs with heavy lyrics. That means lyrics that are impactful. Like, I can't just listen to R&B or rap or, or any kinds of music. If it's numb, I was just having this conversation with a friend the other day. Like, if an artist came out with a song and he was talking about real life stuff, about 
getting over stuff like Tupac Shakur when he yeah. when he was when he was alive. Like he was always talking about you know about dear mama, uh, like you know things about life, struggling and coming up. I love stuff like that. I'm I'm always an advocate for those that try to be champions in life and going through. But a song that I really like to answer your question is that always get me fired up for what, for whatever reason. Is that um, Eminem song? I think it's uh, I think it's lose it, lose oh, it. Oh yeah, yeah, um, the, the theme is seven mile. Yeah, God, that gets me fired up. That really gets me fired up because whenever I hear it, the first time I heard it, I was at the worst point in the U.S. when I I'd moved to the U.S. I was at my lowest point. And I heard that song, and it got me fired up. I remember hitting the road, putting my hoodie on. and I, I don't even like running, and I ran for miles. Yeah. Right? And I ran. I just kept running. I put that song on repeat. I felt like I could take on the whole world. And I did not lose that mindset. I kid you not, I kept that going for at least six months. I had that song on repeat almost every other day because it wasn't a song to me anymore. Yeah. It became a step-by-step on how to get up and go fight for it because nobody's going to hand it to you. you yeah. got to get Because he said something about, if this is your only chance, if this is your only opportunity, do it. What are you going to do about it? And I would say to myself, I'm going to fight. I'm going to fight for this. And that's where we are. Every day we're fighters, man. We don't realize it. You're either fighting to move forward or you're fighting to stay the same. But either way, you're a fighter. Last question like this for you. You could, you could go, you could pack your bag right now. You got your backpack, get on a plane and go anywhere. Where are you going? Africa. I'm going back, home. Back home. <laughs> now your, your, grandma, back your grandmother's home. not been with us for quite some time though now, correct? No, she hasn't. She's been gone for a while. But uh, home is home. I cannot explain it. When I go to uh, Africa, Isan to be exact, E-S-A-N, Isan, Isan village, Isan town, Uromi and Iroa. That's exact. My father's from Uromi. My mother's from Iroa. I'm very proud of, of that, of those, those towns. You don't hear a lot about them. There's not a lot of folks from where I'm from that you see out here in the West. But whenever I go there, I feel, I feel like a king. I feel like a king. I feel like I'm at home. No pretense. Uh, the food, I'm familiar with the, with the food. I'm familiar with the culture. Uh, and I really feel, I, I really feel great. in the, their, their perspective on things um, shapes, shapes my mindset. It makes me take a look at myself. It makes me be reflective. I go to, I go to Romy, I go to, I go to uh, Iroa. And coming from the West, it seems like they have nothing. So how in the world do they look much happier than the people that live where I'm coming from? Right? right, so I'm like, so I see that I'm saying this guy is. I know it's relative, but still, how are you able to have so much less, but act like you have so much more? They don't act like they have the same. They just act like they have more than you do. Yeah, uh, you know, it's like so. I I appreciate that mindset because it makes me reflective on first of all, I appreciate where I'm at. It makes me live a life of gratitude, and um, and when I go back, even though I'm still ambitious, I'm ambitious by nature. I'm very ambitious, but but I'm also very appreciative of what I've accomplished. I'm also always appreciative of that. So living a life of gratitude and also being ambitious for me to go hand in hand. Uh, if you want to keep it, if you want to be true to yourself. Now, before I, I'm going to close out with a personal story between about you and I. Uh, but before I do that, how do people find you? Give us give us all your social contacts and website and all that good stuff. Well, um, you can find me at uh, a man at this. I'm at meetamen.com. That's my website. Amen, A-M-E-N, at 
meet m-e-e-t amen.com on you can find me on linkedin as a man i used to go here of course and you can uh find me on uh, instagram at meet underscore amen find me on facebook as a man i used to go here on youtube meet a man excellent so uh so amen you know this and and you're you're very possibly responsible for two new human beings on the planet. So to those, uh, <laughs> to those that, that are listening oh, to this, boy. I started working out with Amon. And uh, at the time I was on Facebook and I was putting these pictures on Facebook of me flipping around these tires and this guy just beating the daylights out of me and get me into some semblance of shape. And a woman that I knew not, not that well, but well enough messaged me on Facebook and said, this looks really interesting. What are you doing? And so I said, I said, I'm working out with this guy. I was like, why don't, why don't you meet him? And so set up a lunch. It might probably the third or fourth conversation I ever really had with my now wife, with Amon and Paige and myself. And from that point on, Paige started working out with you. And you, whether it was intentional yes. or by happy coincidence, you would always schedule her right before I came in. And so that's right. So, so no she, coincidence. Would be get, she would be getting done. And I would be walking in and there you go. The rest is history. And now married for almost 11 years and two new human beings running around the planet. So I feel like I certainly owe you a debt of gratitude, my friend, because I believe my, my life would be a lot different in a lot of ways had you and I not met a long time ago on the streets in Phoenix. So thank you very much for that. No, it's a pleasure. And it's interesting. I hope I have a few seconds to, to follow up on that. You do. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. It's really interesting how life works out because when you met us, I was at a market. Uh, in downtown Phoenix. Yeah, it's art walk. And that was the first, yeah, that was the first time I was putting my vision out there. I left corporate America and took the risk. I wanted to, to be an example for what I stood for, which was if you wanted, if you believe in something, you believe in yourself, put yourself out there. So we were out there with, with used tires, doing exercise and giving away flyers and cards and having people test out a workout. When you walked by that day, you were the very first person to ever give me a, a shot outside of the, my friends and families that knew me as a personal training client. I would never forget that because you walked by, I see it like it was yesterday. You walked I remember by too. Yeah. And you had, you had no hesitation. It's like a follow up with you. I never thought I'd hear from you and you reached back. And from that regards, we became really good friends. Right. Yeah. And just by working yeah. with you and talking with you. But the reason that was special for me and you on page meeting was because I had a lot of respect for Paige. I, I have a lot of respect for Paige because she was such a beautiful person, beautiful spirit, and she was such a smart person. But there's, there, there you were, and I felt the same. You were like a brother to me, right? I saw you. As a, I had a nickname for you. I think it was Hurricane. Wasn't Hurricane, it? Category Hurricane. 5. Yeah, <laughs> Category 5 Hurricane. Yeah. You never did anything half-assed. It was always all or nothing with you. So when, when, when Paige would ask about you, I could not wait to just tell us so much. So I figured out a way to kind of get you guys. I wanted you guys to cross paths more. And that's why I scheduled it that way. But the honor is mine because I had two wonderful, beautiful people in my life that had impacted my life in such a positive way. I thought, wow, imagine, imagine if they got together and they did. So that was that's just some beautiful things that happen in life. Life is such an interesting thing, you know, so. It is, man. Well, hey, I can't tell you, you know, how much it's meant to me to have you on this conversation today, and uh, and hope for sure you get down in Phoenix. We'll definitely connect. I get up to Montreal. We're gonna make that happen as well. And I'm in. Thank you so much, Ben. The pleasure is truly mine. I cannot wait to meet your kids. 
excuse my coughing. I, I got over a, a flu recently, but the only thing that lasted was my, my cold. But uh, I cannot wait to meet your kids and, and meet you again in Arizona. I'm looking forward to it. Thank you for having me today. Thank you very much. Amon and Brent, this has been fantastic. Amon, I'm a, I'm a firm believer in ripples in a pond. And I want to thank you because I don't think I'd be working with Brent here today if it wasn't for you. Because obviously, uh, a wife and kids changes your life and your outlook and your perspective and the education that he provides just through this podcast and just him and I just talking, right? Even off air. Um, you change this man in, in a very positive way, my friend. So I appreciate that. Thank you so much for being on the show. Brent, um, you know, this, this, this is a big topic, right? This new year, big topic, big push for um, self-care, big push for making sure you've got your house in order. Um, please give your contact information so people can learn why you are a Category 5 hurricane. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> the number here in the office is on 602-255-0555. Uh, we can be found online at mpadvisorsaz.com dot com or smartmoneysimplified.com or in terms of social media i'm most active on linkedin and just search brent b-r-e-n-t mikosh m-e-k-o-s-h and then of course you've got the youtube channel and the spotify and the spotify podcast up now so any of those ways are a good way to to connect with what it is we're trying to do perfect gentlemen again thank you so much and of course our last thank you always goes to the listening audience thank you so much for tuning in and listening to the smart money simplified podcast with brent mikosh if you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Brent comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. And we humbly ask you to share this podcast, rate it, and leave a review, as this actually does help others find the show. Again, thank you so much for listening today. For everyone at MP Advisors, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to this episode of Smart Money Simplified Podcast. Have any questions about topics covered during the show? Visit www.smartmoneysimplified.com or give us a call at 602-255-0555. Don't forget to click the follow button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the hosts and or guests and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Raymond James Financial Services Incorporated. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional financial advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service providers with any questions you may have regarding your individual situation. Securities are offered through Raymond James Financial Services Incorporated, member FINRA, and SIPC. Investment advisory services offered through Raymond James Financial Services Advisors Incorporated, MP Advisors, LLC, is not a broker slash dealer and is independent of Raymond James Financial Services.